Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You can follow him on Twitter on X at BTopMeyer. Also download his podcast, SEC Football Unfiltered, wherever podcasts can be found. Kind enough to join us now as opposed to his normal Friday slot. Blake, I guess let's start here. Has Georgia reminded us, like, oh, yeah, they're still, they're still like the kings of the castle? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, we can talk about how, oh, maybe this Georgia defense isn't quite as good as the last two years, and I, and I think that's true. But I think this Georgia offense might be the best that Kirby's had, and, and I say that with the acknowledgement that last year's offense was was really, really good, and, and that was a complete football team that had sort of the misnomer of, of winning with defense. Like they, they won with offense last year as, as much as they won with defense. Um, and, I, and I think this team wins more so with offense than with defense. Defense still really good. Uh, don't know that it's the number one defense in the nation. The stats would say it's not. Uh, my eyes would say maybe it's not. But I think the complete product is there, right? Like, And I, and I know um, Carson Beck delivered – great moments in the, or excuse me, Seth and Bennett delivered great moments in the biggest games. And, and we've still, um, you know, kind of yet to see what Carson Beck will do in the biggest moments, but just as far as a pure quarterback talent, um, I mean, I can't get enough of the guy. He's, uh, he's awesome on third downs. He's got weapons all around him and he knows where to go with the football. Um, I, I think we will look back uh, on this as Carson Beck being the best quarterback that Kirby has had. I don't know if we're ready to say it yet, but I think that's what we'll be saying when, when Carson Beck heads to the NFL. And uh, I think that puts Georgia in the driver's seat for the title. Yeah, you know what Carson Beck reminds me of? He reminds me of what Georgia fans wanted Jake Fromm to be. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. he actually has the arm talent. Like, to your mm-hmm. point, like, every single week I watch him, and I know – Hey, it's a lot easier to play quarterback at Georgia than it is a lot of these other places. But when I look at the level of difficulty of throws that he's making, I just find myself like five or six times a game going, damn, what a throw. You know, like a lot of those like 15-yard, like, you know, when he's like driving it up the seam, I'm like, that is, like, that was such a money throw. But I'm with you. And I also, you know what, hand up. I owe, I owe Mike Bobo and probably Kirby an apology. I thought when they hired Bobo, I was like, are you are you really doing this again? Like, you're going to double down? And you know what? Bobo proved at his heart he's still a quarterback, and, you know, if he needs to throw it and have explosive offenses. I mean, they. I, I'm with you. I think Georgia's offense is uh, is better than their defense, and I think their defense is damn good. 
Yeah, and I thought the same thing about the Bobo hire. I thought that was it was pretty uninspired, uh, and and I guess it was uninspired, right? But sometimes, sure. uh, sometimes coach knows best and, and knows that the guy right under his nose is, is the best guy for the job, and it, it did make for a seamless transition. Uh, that's certainly true, and and Beck had been in the program for three years. So instead of like going with the outside hire that maybe would have taken this offense in a different direction, like Bobo knew the system. He knew how to keep, keep kind of the status quo in place. And, and maybe for, for Carson Beck, that might've been the best thing for him. And, and I mean, I think that's proving to be true. And you're right about the throws he can make. Like, absolutely. He's got weapons around him, but there's only been a few games this year where he's had like all of his weapons healthy and around him. I mean, even against Tennessee, on Saturday, like, yeah, Brock Bowers is back, but then Ladd McConkey quits out with yeah. an injury and, and, and really didn't play much. So, but, you know, just the he, – he's not having the Jaden Daniels-type season where he's just throwing bombs play after play, and when he's not doing that, he's running for 50 yards. Like, I, I think Jaden Daniels uh, might win the Heisman because he's got those Heisman moments. He's got the gaudy stats. Like, he would be a des- deserving winner. But when it comes to playing, like, championship football – making the big throws, leading the key drives. Like, I, I would – I mean, if you're going to give me either one of those guys, I'd take either one of them. But I think Georgia would feel very comfortable with Carson Beck right now. I think about a throw against Tennessee. It was like a third and five play, and and Brock Bowers, like, found just a little bit of an opening about two yards past the sticks. But there were two defenders right there, and, and Beck just threw a missile right on the money to Bowers – and it's like ho hum, move the chains. And the other thing is, like, I think he's a little more athletic yeah. than what I initially thought. What a lot of us thought. Like, he, he scrambled for a few first downs against Tennessee too. I mean, he certainly kind of runs as a last resort. But when he has to do it, it doesn't look awkward. Like, he, he he's, he's got a nice gait to him. He can he can go get twelve yards if that's what the defense has given him. So, yeah, I I think. Again, I think Georgia's the front runner for the title, and it's because they got a great collection of talent, but it's more than that. They have one of the best, uh, one of the four or five best quarterbacks in the nation. And when you pair that with everything else they got, yeah, that's a title team, I think. We'll, we'll talk about the SEC championship game next week with you. But the other thing I was trying to think of is, you know, we came into the season, and if you were looking at the talent, you know, the talent rankings, it's like, okay, Alabama and Georgia, and I guess Ohio State to a certain degree, like they're they're all in front of everyone. And it felt like we spent a large portion of the year maybe thinking like uh, they're going to get tripped up. And obviously Alabama lost to Texas, and they had the, the quarterback conundrum for a little bit. I guess it's right. It's the most fitting, the fact that here we are. We're just headed towards this collision course again with Alabama and Georgia. Like it should, I guess, is that the question? Should we have just seen this all along? Um, I don't know, because I do think when you have a Heisman caliber quarterback like LSU has, and you have a Bolitnikoff level wide receiver like LSU has. Which one? Fact, they, yeah, hey, I was going to say, in fact, they might have two of them. Um, I, I think LSU squandered this season. I do. And, and that's not, I'm not going to call this season like a massive failure or a total bust for, for LSU. Maybe I'd throw that out there if they lose to A&M uh, on on Saturday, which I don't think they're going to, but the season was fine, but the season had the potential to be so much more, especially when we've seen what Jaden Daniels and that offense has done. Like you don't even have to trot out uh, a top 15 defense to make the college football playoff, uh, you know, with Jaden Daniels. If you would have just had a semi-competent defense, 
uh, I think we could be talking about LSU in the playoffs. So, yeah, I, I don't know that it was a foregone conclusion just because um, you know, I think the, the expectations for L- LSU were pretty fair. I mean, when, when, we, when you and I had those expectations going into the season, because we both kind of – Yeah, we talked LSU ourselves maybe, into it, yeah. I'm, in yeah. fairness, if you would have told me Daniels plays like, like – if the only information you had given me was Daniels' stat line, I would be like, they're undefeated. Yeah, and, and I think we both knew that there were deficiencies on the roster. The back like, end, yeah. Uh, the, 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 the defensive secondary, we all knew going into the year it was vulnerable. What we didn't know was that those defensive vulnerabilities would extend you know, to the front six, which is to, to me remains inexplicable. Like, I think LSU has enough talent. Uh, you know, on the defensive line and, and, and linebacking core that they should be better than, than that in those areas. But um, so, yeah, I mean, um, the, the other thing we didn't know, though, too, with Alabama was that Jalen Milrow would be this good. Like, I don't think most of us didn't buy that, you know, Nick Saban was saying before the season, like, eh, I don't know if we got the talent to, to win this thing this year. Uh, no, I mean, I think we, we knew Alabama had a lot of talent, but some of that talent was unproven. But the bigger question with Bama was, how is the quarterback going to play? And I think, you know, Jalen Milrow has answered the bell. I think he's exceeded the expectations that most of us had for him. So I think, yeah, the talent was there, but you combine the missing ingredient for Alabama, the quarterback, and that's why they're uh, representing the West when the missing ingredient for LSU, the defense, never materialized. Yeah, and I also I give credit to Saban. Like I, I know it's easy to go. Well, sure, it's easy to be a great coach when you got that many great players. I think he did a really good job with this team because I think Tommy Reese wanted to come in and put his stamp on it. And I think he's like, "All right, buddy, here you go." And it took through you know that USF game to be like, "All right, we're going to do it my way." And lo and behold, really since then, I mean, other than kind of a, a I don't know third quarter third-slash-early-fourth-quarter kind of sleepwalk affair against Arkansas. I mean, they've just been absolutely dominating everyone they're playing. They have, and and I, yeah, I, I guess Saban gets the credit. He probably deserves it. Um, but he did kind of create the issue to begin with, yeah. Yeah, that was my thought, is like, what, why did it take the Texas loss to realize what Jalen Milrow was, was good at? And maybe Saban knew it all along, and it was just getting – um, his house in order and, and letting his offensive coordinator know that, as you put it, we're, we're going to do things Saban's way. But, um, you know, that one does come back to bite him because Texas remains uh, a roadblock to the playoff, whereas had they beat Texas, they might be able to lose to Alabama – or, excuse me, lose to Georgia in the SEC championship and still maybe, maybe backdoor their way in, um, whereas now they're going to have to win out and, and still maybe get a little bit of help. But um, I, I do – a lot of coaches though dig in their heels and they want to prove that they were right all along. And, and maybe that's what Saban did here by putting Tommy Reese in his place to say, we're going to do it my way. But, um, but still like there was a change after Texas and, and South Florida and a lot of coaches, a lot of teams are incapable of making that like mid season pivot yeah. in, in identity and Alabama pulled that off. And, and and I would say this probably should have been their identity since week one, but they did pivot, and a lot of teams don't. Like a lot of teams, if they they lose a game, they won't change their identity. They'll just keep going to that well time and time again. And, and Alabama didn't. They they pivoted pivoted going into week four. We're talking with Blake Topmeyer, SEC columnist for the USA Today Sports Network. His podcast, SEC Football Unfiltered, available each and every week wherever you find your podcast. Follow him on Twitter on X at b Topmeyer. 
Auburn loses to New Mexico State by 21 on Saturday. And the thing that struck me about it was, A, that's a Hugh Freeze special. You're always going to get one game a year where he loses, and you're like, how on earth did that happen? It happens each and every year no matter where he is. But the thing that struck me about that game was I think that was the first moment where it even dawned on Hugh that either, A, we're going to have to step it up at recruiting even more so, or next year I'm going to have to win some games that, you know, I, I think it I think it dawned on him at that moment, like this idea that I'm going to get, you know, all the time in the world, like that might be a fallacy. How did you make – what did you make of that game? It's a critical loss. Those are the types of losses that hang around with you for yeah. – you can't shake him. You know, he'll always be the guy now that lost by three touchdowns uh, on his home field to New Mexico State, and no one's going to – put the little asterisk in there of, oh, well, New Mexico State was actually a pretty good group of five team. Like, right. No one's going to remember that. They're going to remember you lost by three scores on your home field in New Mexico State. It, it's hard to shake that. You can do it. I mean, Nick Saban did it, right? He had an embarrassing loss. Uh, was he did have the Monroe. number one recruiting class coming in. Yeah, exactly. Hugh doesn't have that. Hugh's got, uh, in the 24-7 composite, the number 17 yeah. recruiting class. And, like, okay, we can say that he's made some inroads that Brian Harson never made in the state of Alabama. That's true. Uh, that's also an incredibly low bar. Right. Um, that, that, that is and, not the standard. No. And if we look back at the Gus Malzahn era, Malzahn routinely signed top ten recruiting classes. In fact, I think six of Malzahn's eight recruiting classes ranked in the top ten of the 24-7 composite. So he's not recruiting at Gus's level um, you can't you can't stuff the toothpaste back into the tube. You can't bring Gus back. Right. And and the reality was that the the window on Gus winning a national championship in Auburn uh, had probably closed. However, I think in hindsight, and and some of us knew this at the time. I think in hindsight, we've learned that what Gus did with consistency at Auburn was probably underappreciated um, by some folks on the Plains. We were talking about someone who had eight consecutive winning seasons, uh, beat Nick Saban three times, and the year he was fired, he went six and four against the conference-only schedule uh, during the worst pandemic our nation's seen in a century, right? Like, um, Hey, the, he beat point, Kirby and Nick in back-to-back weeks. Yeah. The, 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 With the Jared floor, Stidham. The floor of Gus was was not even close to what we've seen from Auburn the past three seasons. And I don't know if they learned a lesson the hard way knowing it's Auburn. Maybe they didn't. Um, but, you know, at this point, I feel like I'm supposed to propose the solution, right? And the solution isn't that, that Gus is going to come riding in and saving this thing. I don't, I don't think Gus could even do that. Um, but the point being, like, I, I, I think they've left themselves really no choice but to try to show some patience. With Hugh, what does that look like? I don't know. I mean, I don't think they're firing him after two years like they did with Harson. I think they're sort of pot committed um, because of the situation that they created, that Auburn created. I think they're pot committed to giving Hugh three or four years and, and seeing what it looks like. Um, I, I think my early read on the situation is Hugh is going to be better than Brian Harson. Again, an incredibly low bar. But I don't think Hugh's going to be as good as Malzahn. Some of that. Uh, is maybe on Hughes. Some of that is just Auburn's reality right now. Yeah. Like uh, in the current SEC, 
Auburn's job ranks somewhere between five and seven, depending on whether your glass half full or half empty. Um, I don't think you can make a case for ranking in the top four. I don't think it goes much below seven in the current SEC. But when Oklahoma and Texas come in, then that shifts that ranking from job number seven through nine, depending on your perspective. Like, it's a good job. It's not a great job. And it's why I was saying a year ago that Lane Kiffin – uh, would be wise to stay in place at Ole Miss, maybe not forever, but in that moment to stay at Ole Miss. I think Lane made a good choice, um, and I think uh, you know we'll we'll think that even more when we look back on it a couple of years from now. Yeah, and also like whether or not it happens in perpetuity. I mean, as of right now, right, they're the only school that's going to have to play Alabama and Georgia. That's uh, that's right. Yes, you know, we, whether it happens in perpetuity, we right. don't know. But I think there's a decent chance that at some point the nine games conference schedule uh, becomes the reality. And, and if that happens, then I, I can't see a scenario where where Auburn or excuse me, where Georgia and Alabama would not be on on the annual schedule. I mean, right now Tennessee has that situation, but I think Georgia is probably at some point going to fall off Tennessee's schedule, even if Alabama remains. So yeah, that's. That's true, and, and, it's, and it goes beyond that. Like, if you if you look at the map, you draw a 200-mile circle around Auburn, and you've got Tuscaloosa, you've got Athens, and you've got Tallahassee. You've got three big-boy programs right in your backyard that all three right now are functioning at an incredibly high level, and I think for the foreseeable future will remain perennial playoff contenders. I mean, certainly for Alabama and, and Georgia, but – I think Florida State's sitting in a pretty good situation for its future um, right now. And so um, there's only so much talent to go around. There is a lot of talent in that area. But so, again, some of this is Hugh Freeze's uh, challenge, and, and, and it's on him to fix it. Other the, you know, other parts of this is sort of bad luck and bad timing. I mean, I don't know that it's Hugh's fault that Florida State and uh, is where it's at right now and that Georgia – uh, and, and Kirby have it figured out, but it is his reality, and I don't think that's a great reality for Auburn when you when you look at that 200-mile radius and see how those other programs are, are functioning. No, but it is also the reality he wanted. I mean, that, that's kind of the other part of it. Like, he wanted back in, and that was his road. True. All right, yeah. quickly, wanted to get your thoughts. Am I, in, am I insane? Maybe I'm just not online enough, but, like, this feels like one of the quietest coaching carousel seasons I can remember. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like, we have the A&M job open, and there's the thought, whether or not it's true, like, that could lead to some dominoes. I honestly did not think when when Mississippi State beat Arkansas that Zach Arnett would be the one that got fired, not Sam Pittman. You could have talked me into both getting fired, but I did not think that Pittman would be returning and Arnett would be the one leaving. Like, if you told me only one left after that game, I was like, well, it'd be Pittman. But here mm-hmm. we are. Like... How do you kind of size it up right now? Because it feels like it's kind of feels it's feels like it's pretty quiet right now. It is quiet. I think it's the calm before the storm. Like the one argument would be that oh, these schools are are, are showing some more fiscal caution. <laughs> we know that's uh, not the case. These, in the face of these larger buyouts, I think by and large that I yeah, I agree with you. That is not the case. I do think in specific instances that might be the case. Like I think Arkansas, because of the nature of Sam Pittman's contract, it was sort of a, in their eyes, a win-win to keep him. Like either he turns it around next season or because of, of that, you know, 
clause in his contract yeah. that pertains to his record, they can fire him at a, at a substantial discount next year. So in certain instances, maybe the buyouts are, are protecting coaches. But mostly I just think it's the timing of this thing. And certain big boy jobs could come open next year, like Florida. You know, I think Billy Napier is in a make-or-break season there. Uh, Oklahoma, what does Brent Venables look like in his SEC debut? I mean, if Texas keeps rolling and, and, and Oklahoma, you know, is just – kind of there. Yeah. I know they beat Texas this year, but um, Oklahoma wants to be a, a top five, top ten program. That is the standard there. So uh, I, I think the next year or two, we could have a spicier carousel, and we could see some more of these monster spyouts. So yeah, I don't. I, I think it's more just the timing of it, which was why I thought you know, if you're Texas A&M and you got a pretty good idea that you've seen enough of Jimbo Fisher, like I thought the, the right move was to do it now when they are the best job on the market for whatever that's worth than to wait and see who you're going up against next year when you, when you could have several uh, other bigger name jobs open at the same time. So, yeah, I think this is just the timing of the cycle, uh, sort of the calm before next year's storm. And we might see a domino or two fall. You're right. Depending on, on what A&M does with its hire, but I don't think it's going to be one of the crazier years we've seen from the carousel uh, but again, I think we're probably just a year away from maybe having something similar to that repeat of what we had a couple years ago when Brian Kelly and, and Lincoln Riley were on the move because so many big jobs were open in that cycle. Blake, we appreciate it, buddy. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Yeah, you too. Thanks. That is Blake Topmeyer, SEC columnist for the USA Today Sports Network. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.